what's working on purpose anyway? Each week we ponder the answer to this question. People ache for meaning and purpose at work, to contribute their talents passionately and know their lives really matter. They crave being part of an organization that inspires them and helps them grow into realizing their highest potential. Business can be such a force for good in the world, elevating humanity. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration to help usher in this world we all want, working on purpose. Now, here is your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, joining you live from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. By way of introduction, if you don't know me, I'm a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose, organizational logotherapist, inspirational speaker, social scientist, and an author. You can learn more about me at elisecortez.com or gusto-now.com. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know this program is a thought leadership series that enlightens and inspires listeners and viewers with insights from distinguished business leaders, authors, and subject matter experts. By listening in, you're part of the movement to create inspirational leaders and enlightening workplaces where we can thrive and do business that betters the world. Glad you're here. Now on to this week's program. With us today is Devil Sangavi. He's the co-founder and partner at at DASRA, a strategic philanthropy foundation that nurtures powerful partnerships to help India achieve SDGs by 2030. We'll be talking about how DASRA was born, hearing about the, the inspiring work it's doing to improve the lives of people in India, and learn about a new storytelling concept he and the organization is developing. Devil joins us today from Mumbai, India, where it is 4.30 a.m. for him next day. Devil, welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you so much for having me. It is so wonderful to have you with me, and I delight in this notion that we get to literally reach across the globe for each other and share the amazing work that you're doing. So I'm really, really happy that Jayash sent, sent you to me. So thank you. Thank you. So let's start here, if we can. Um, boy, I've been working on on passion, inspiration, and purpose and meaning for a while, and it certainly occurs to me, Dable, that you are a man living with passion and working on purpose. I mean, my goodness. So let's open for our listeners and our and our viewers with the story of what opened up for you when you volunteered in Mumbai at the end of your college career, and I think set the whole stage of events off. I, I think for me, and, and I was born and brought up in Houston, I uh, used to visit India quite often with my parents to see family and um, just seeing the disparity uh, of uh, children who looked like me, uh, who were a similar age, uh, who unfortunately were left begging at traffic lights, uh, really impacted me to, to, to say that, you know, there, there was something wrong, I guess, with the world that I was born <laughs> Uh, providing housing, shelter, uh, food, education, healthcare, uh, yet so many did not have that same opportunity. And, and so I think for me, it was, what can I do to sort of try my best, I guess, in my small way to, to sort of level the playing field and enable others to have the same opportunities that I was blessed with. And, and, and so I think for me, when I was working with these children who lived on the streets of Mumbai, I, I, I just learned so much actually from them about compassion, about hope, about inspiration. I mean, they were every single day, not only fighting for survival, but looking after themselves and their community uh, to ensure that everyone sort of rose uh, together and they were protecting each other. Uh, they, they were sort of, um, I guess, demonstrated to me what the true meaning of compassion is, uh, which, which is not only looking at yourself and the individual needs, but really looking at uh, the purpose of 
of helping everyone around you also succeed and helping what, them when they're down. And, and, I, and I guess those learnings uh, uh, stuck to, through me, uh, you know, for the years and, and really pushed me to, to move back to India in, in 1999 to really start an organization that supports these communities. I think it's profoundly beautiful that you learn those lessons from children. That's Thank amazing. you. No, I, I mean, I think children are uh, the best, the best instructors of the world. Uh, they, <laughs> they have no biases. They, they have no sort of, uh, no way to sort of uh, filter things. Um, and, and I think, I mean, all of us, and, and, you know, clearly have this desire to help others and, and to live a life with purpose. I think uh, through a variety of things, from economic pressures to to education to uh, the need of a materialistic success versus perhaps personal inspiration and satisfaction, I think get in the way as we get older. Mm-hmm. Well said. Completely agree. Well, so as you probably might remember from our first conversation, among other things, I'm an identity researcher. So what I also know that names mean something, and if my research is right, Dazra means enlightened giving. So if you would, tell us how did Dazra come to be? Where did it come from? Why does it exist? And am I right? Is it enlightened giving? It is enlightened giving in, in Sanskrit. And the reason we decided to use that word and, and really start this organization is that we were blown away by uh, the, the number of great organizations that exist in India and, and also globally for that matter. Uh, where you have frontline workers, many times from the community themselves, um, that are trying new innovations, uh, that are looking at how to best meet the needs of the community and are building sort of these initiatives and these organizations with actually uh, very little support uh, mm-hmm. from, from, from the world per se. And, and, and for us, that's really where we realized while giving was happening, uh, very few people were, were really thinking about the individuals behind these organizations or initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we felt that, um, you know, these these true partners of change um, uh, that were literally at times risking their lives uh, or, or changing their own pathways, again, to live in purpose to benefit others, uh, very few people were actually benefiting them. So many people said, oh, well, if you run a nonprofit, you should have a very low salary. No one actually should be supporting you all the money should go out to the beneficiary or the end customer. And I guess our view was, uh, while that is critical, of course, um, if you don't build the capacity of these leaders, chances are they themselves will not be able to achieve their impact and their goals. And and so for us, we felt like while giving was happening, enlightened giving was slightly a step further where you're actually supporting the backbones of these entities, enabling them to create greater impact and looking at sort of long-term change which is very much community driven. And, and I think today, you know, with COVID and, and the other uh, inequalities, I guess, that COVID has thrown up, we've realized that if you're not really listening to the community, if you're not supporting them, and if you're not sort of backing them for the long term, chances are you're not uh, an enlightened giver, uh, but, but, but just a giver. And, and I think for, for the world to change and, and for us to, like I said earlier, level the playing field, uh, you need to have a, a certain level of enlightenment, uh, w- which we hope that we can create and, and provide to both the nonprofit leaders, but as well as the givers that, that we support in, in their journeys. You know, and a big reason I wanted to have you on the show, Dable, to share your story is that it, what I've really come to realize over the course of hosting Working a Purpose for five and a half years is that 
by choosing who comes on my on my show and together of course we talk about the general gist of the conversation i'm curating the conversation and i'm doing that on purpose so i am absolutely behind the notion of helping to create more enlightened communities and leaders and that's a big reason i wanted to have you on the show because i really feel like what you're doing is i see that you're creating this really strong net that keeps rising it, you know the, it, it, within india and bringing together people in ways they couldn't have otherwise come to together before and it's it's such a beautiful model that it needs sharing. And if others can duplicate it across the world or help you in your efforts, uh, I'd be happy to make that, I'm happy to make that happen through this conversation. So I'm happy you're here. Um, and then of course we have to talk about, I mean, you've been around for a couple of decades now, and I believe, and obviously organizations change and evolve as, as their, their needs um, change and, and grow. And I, and I believe if I understand and did my homework right, that Dazra began as a venture philanthropy fund to invest in early stage nonprofit organizations in India. And the aim was to bridge the gap between funders and nonprofits by educating funders to be more strategic in their giving and helping nonprofits use the funds in the most optimal way. Yes, no, kind of, sort of, was that the start? No, no, very, very much so. Um, and, and so we provided funding uh, to help early stage organizations grow and scale and of course, quite a bit of managerial support. Again, our, our, our realization, I guess, was the while uh, going back to enlightened giving, uh, while uh, there are many check writers in the world, and that's very, very important uh, to, to, to give. Uh, many times, uh, again, the, the emotional support um, and, and the managerial guidance was missing. Um, and, and really the connect with the community as well. And, and so unfortunately, what, what happens at times uh, in the giving space is um, those who are writing the checks, uh, they they prov they give up quite a bit of power with that check <laughs> and they mm. dictate where the funds can go, how they should be spent. Uh, they end up many times forcing the organizations to either cut corners and programs or have very short timeframes when many of these nonprofits are looking at generational changes which cannot happen in a three to six month period, but actually takes years yes. to embed in the communities uh, that they're trying to serve. And, and so for us, I think it was really saying that, you know, once you find that organizational organizations that you're supporting, you need to back them to the till because you're not actually just supporting them. You're trying to, for example, end child marriage in a country. And, and once you realize that that is your mission, I think you become far more open and gracious in terms of being able to actually write those checks and realize it's a privilege to have organizations and individuals that are working on this cause. And it's in your best interest and the community's best interest for that matter to really be there as a real partner and listen to them, not the other way around. And, and so that's really sort of the learnings that we've had over the years is, you know, trust that NGO leader as you would a, an entrepreneur in the for-profit space uh, who has created a product that the market likes um, and, and guide them and support them versus saying, well, I gave you a check, so now I need X, Y, and Z. And if you don't do this within a stipulated time frame, I'm going to go to your competitors, so to speak. Uh, that, I mean, unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily work. And that, again, creates uh, short-term Band-Aid solutions, which are not going to solve any of these intergenerational issues that we see in India or globally, for that matter. Mm -hmm. I really like that direction, really, really align with that direction. And then another thing that I thought was really fascinating and uh, that I wanted to delve into, and I mentioned it in the introduction, um, this idea of scaling to achieve the sustainable development goals by 2030, um, this whole notion of th those are critical drivers for DASRA. And so first help us understand, if you would, what are these sustainable development goals 
and which organizations do they derive from? So the uh, Sustainable Development Goals were uh, created at the United Nations in 2015. Mm -hmm. And um, all the countries, part of the United Nations, signed up for these goals. Uh, they were fairly ambitious. They were a follow-up from the Millennium Development Goals, which were first created in 2000. And so these goals now have, have had a track record of in 15 years to solve certain issues that plague our world. And, and the entire world literally coming together to say, we will put a target and a goal that seems unachievable in the sand, uh, but, but give ourselves 15 years to try to solve these issues. And, and when you start looking at them, whether it's education, livelihoods, energy, um, shelter, uh, rights, um, you realize uh, given the population of India, we actually have about a 20% burden um, of the sustainable development goals, i.e. if India does not meet its sustainable development goals, uh, the the world does not meet that. Um, and and given that this has been signed up again by India, uh, but 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 sort of declared at the United Nations, um, we realize if the country has decided to sort of put that stake in the ground, then we will do our best uh, to to enable them to to sort of reach that goal. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, the re one of the reasons I gravitated to that because some of the other research that I've done for other programs really talks more about the the. You know, the United Nations goals and such. And I'm very intrigued with the idea that if we don't reach high, we'll never get there. So the importance of reaching high is important. Um, and then along the, that note, one of the things that I found really compelling and, and I'm trying to learn from you is you, re, you say that through your journey, you realize that when your dream is to impact the lives of a billion Indians, one billion Indians, you can't do it alone. So talk to us a little bit about how, who have you enrolled and what are you doing to, to get some help? Um, yeah, sure. And, and, I, and I think that's, again, you know, going back to even Dasra and our model, we realize for any of these changes to happen, it has to have a partnership approach. Um, you need to work with individuals, um, ideally from the community themselves, uh, that are uh, lifting themselves out of poverty and listen to them, number one. And, and so I think sort of bringing community to the forefront of these conversations, not as an afterthought is, is critical. Uh, but but as you do so, you realize uh, there's a need for many other actors, as you stated, to, to, to participate. Um, there could be technical experts that need to come in. There could be, of course, the nonprofit leaders and their teams. Uh, there could be givers and, and different forms of givers as well. I mean, we've been fortunate to work, for example, with corporate foundations that not only provide capital for these organizations to achieve their goals, but also their staff come in and, and provide professional skills to these organizations. And, and so what that means is, for example, if it's a bank, they're actually bringing financial capabilities to the organization and building financial models in Excel as they would their for-profit clients um, and really helping uh, the organization understand the different financial scenarios they should think about, which is especially critical again at times like this, where there's a financial crisis, both in India and globally due to COVID, really helping these organizations understand if your budget is cut by 25%, what do you do next? How do you sort of think about your team, your programs, uh, your own sustainability? And so really it's about bringing not just funding to the organizations, uh, but but also your access to, to, to the expertise you have, as well as to networks. And, and so over the years, we've worked with thousands of, of individuals, companies, foundations, nonprofit heads, and even government officials to, to sort of create platforms where everyone can come together and, 
and similar to the sustainable development goals in that manner where, where sort of it was, like I said, the world coming together. Uh, we feel if you can bring various different groups together and perspectives with uh, a singular and, and very big, hairy, audacious goal, uh, chances are you'll be faster in solving that because again, you're bringing different forms of expertise, of funding, um, and relationships, honestly, that are all required and critical to to affect social change. I don't know when you sleep, but we're gonna talk more about how this all happens here, but let's grab our first break. I'm Dr. Elise Cortez, I'm your host. We've been on the air with Dable Sangabi. He is the co-founder and partner at DASRA, and we've been talking about how this organization started, where it came from. After the break, we're gonna talk about some of the work that they do and the impact they're having in India. Stay with us, we'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. Before we go back into our program, I want to share with you that my new book, Purpose Ignited, is out on Amazon. It it is a a pandemic baby. It it came out through the pandemic and it came out on Amazon November 17th. So if that's of interest to you, please check it out. I'd love to have your feedback on it and enroll you in the conversation. With us today is Debo Sangavi. He is the co-founder and partner at DASRA, who joins us today from Mumbai, India. So for this next section here, uh, Debo, I want to talk about and help our, our listeners and, and viewers understand just the incredible work that you're doing through DASRA. And I wanted, if we can, to give some perspective just to the sheer numbers here for listeners who maybe aren't as, as acquainted with India as I am. I love your country. I've been there, as you know. But to give some perspective... United Nations reports that India's population as 1.3 billion as of January 2030. Hindi and English are the official languages, though there are 19 others observed. The GDP capita is 2,104. Contrast that with the U.S.'s 331 million population, one language with Spanish observed, and 65,000 per capita. So I want to presence that because it's just such an enormous contrast. So from your vantage point, Dave, what are some of the, the biggest problems in India that DASRA stands to solve or help address? And, and, and India um, is, is very interesting and unique because, um, like you said, first of all, the population is, is 1.3 billion. Um, yes. and, and when you have 1.3 billion with a per capita income of, of close to $2,000, uh, uh, it, it, it throws up many, many issues, to be honest with you. Yes. Um, and, and so the, the, the basics of, for example, even safe sanitation, something that uh, for the most of America we take for granted, um, does not necessarily um, e- exist uh, for, for, for many of, of, of Indian citizens today. Um, and, and so that what this means is uh, many individuals don't have access to a toilet in their house. 
that toilet unfortunately is not actually hooked up to sewage lines which has proper treatment which ensures our rivers and our lakes uh, are free of uh, fecal matter and and i know that's not a great subject to speak about but when you start thinking about basic dignity and uh, one's inability, for example, to use the restroom in private in one's own home, but but instead are forced to defecate in public, um, it, it, it's really just the basis of, of of any society, I would say, in, in terms of what dignity means. And, and yeah. unfortunately in India, just like many other countries in the world, women bear the brunt of, of this more so uh, because many many women across across the country uh, who don't have access to toilets, uh, this means that they actually have to to use the restroom at 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 four in the morning um, when no one else is there. Uh, they have to go in packs to ensure that they're not sexually harassed. And and after sunrise occurs, they're unable to actually use the restroom in public till it gets dark again. Wow. And, and and so hundreds of millions of individuals again don't have access to toilets. And 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 again that that uh, the, the toilet itself, therefore, uh, is, is, is not treated. And so the health issues you have uh, mm-hmm. because of this is, is significant, um, both in terms of um, increases of diarrhea. And so we have uh, over a thousand children dying every single day in India uh, due to uh, preventable deaths such as diarrhea. And again, this is very much linked to um, the lack of drinking water that we have, which is linked to uh, the clean drinking water, at least, which is again linked to uh, the treatment not happening. And so anything basic, you know, from toilets to nutrition to, to um, education and livelihoods, um, unfortunately in India, there's an array of issues that, that need support uh, in order for sort of, um, I, again, that level of, of playing field to occur. Uh, there's no way that I could have narrated that and, and presence that the way that you did, Dable. And it is just astounding. And what I get so present to is the magnificence to be in service of your one precious life. I'm just so honored to have you sharing what you and Dazwa are doing, Dable. It's really profound. And, and as you were talking earlier and you were talking about the partnerships and such, the one thing that I was so present to as you're sharing that is what in the world is this model that makes this all work? Because it must, I know you have a hundred or so people on on your team, but talk to us about this model that Dazra uses to realize this vision. And what is the vision, by the way, of Dazra? Sure. No, the the vision is um, a, a, a transformed India where a billion thrive with dignity and equity. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I think that in itself, number one, looking at a billion, um, many times when we look at the the development sector or or helping others. Uh, to be honest, unfortunately, it's not about uh, leveling the playing field. It's giving the least amount <laughs> to ensure, for example, uh, a little change happens. And and so in India, literacy and around the world, literacy uh, many times is measured um, not by if somebody can read a paragraph in, in the third grade or, or fifth grade levels. It's actually just the reading and writing of one's name defines wow. literacy. Oh, my word. Wow. Um, and it. And, and so when you start lowering the benchmark of what, for example, literacy is or poverty is or, or access to quality healthcare is uh, to those who don't have access to these areas, um, we all know if, if all we could do is read and write our names, how far that would get us in the world. And in fact, it, it, it is to a certain extent dangerous because if you consider somebody literate by their ability to sign a document, but they don't have the ability to the document, 
um, it, it just gives you a sense of, 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 of that issue. And, and so I think we start really our model with understanding these issues from ground up. Um, and so many times we do nine to 12 months of research in a particular sector, uh, identifying two to 300 organizations in that sector that are creating change and start sort of evaluating, um, you know, which are these interventions that are creating value. Um, uh, after that, we sort of start talking to the management teams of these organizations. We start understanding their plans. Uh, we start informing them also of what others are doing, not just in the nonprofit world, but also what corporates are doing, what foundations are doing, and also what government policies exist as well. So really giving awareness and knowledge to those change makers on the ground so they're better equipped to, to sort of solve the issues in front of them. Um, and, and then finally, through this entire effort, we slowly start bringing in influencers uh, to the conversation. And, and so again, um, and on our website, we have, for example, 70 research reports on different topics. Uh, they're very thick and, and uh, long reports. I mean, many of them are 100 pages each, but it starts start gives sort of the, the, the philanthropist who many times you know, has a full-time job, so it's not fully emerged into the sector, the ability to sort of go through, for example, the tenets of malnutrition and realize that if you actually attack uh, that issue at, uh, when, when you're dealing with children between the ages of zero and three, when many of the cognitive abilities is created, you're actually able to prevent many of the health issues going forward. And, and so providing, again, this level of insight on, okay, what is the root cause of the problem? Uh, with malnutrition, we realized it was actually urban India that suffered more than rural India, which which was quite odd because many people thought rural India means food shortages, but rural India also has family structures in place. And so you have mother-in-laws and grandparents and everyone looking after the child, where in urban India, you have single family dwellings uh, where both the parents are working, similar again to the US. And so siblings at times are, are forced to look after siblings. And it's much easier to, to feed your younger brother or sister potato chips for lunch or dinner than a healthy meal of lentils and rice. Um, and, and, and so just helping sort of uh, others understand the, 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 the breadth of the issue, the different interventions that exist and how they can get engaged. And the fact that we open source all of our research, we have conversations with multiple stakeholders in government, philanthropists, NGO leaders, slowly we're actually building a movement in that particular space uh, that, that, as you said earlier, that, that allows uh, different perspectives, different individuals, different stakeholders to coalesce around this issue with the same base of knowledge, uh, which is critical, and then sort of move forward. And, and so that's really been, I, I think, our, our vision from day one is, is, you know, have these bold sort of statements, but then back it up with not just us uh, as 100 individuals, uh, but, but more importantly, with the communities that we're able to serve um, to, to sort of fight against these injustices. Mm -hmm. And then to take it one step further, that's also really interesting is, is that you've, you, you're also encouraging your philanthropists to invest their skills, expertise, networks, and capital. Um, it, so it's not just their, their pocketbooks, but it's their whole person that you're enrolling in this process. Exactly. Um, again, if you're trying to root out child marriage, something that unfortunately is still very rampant in India, um, it can't be done by uh, sitting, you know, in your living room writing a check once a year and saying, "Okay, my job is done." Um, you need to get involved. You need to get engaged. You need to understand the issue. And again, you need to support 
these organizations uh, in addition to writing checks. And, and so one of the things we realized early on was that um, in order to create wealth, uh, one actually needs uh, certain skills. And those skills are, are, are as relevant to a nonprofit organization as they are to a for-profit organization. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so really understanding these groups, um, and, and we've seen this in the for-profit world, at least with angel investing and, and venture capital, and to a certain extent uh, for the good players in private equity, uh, it's really about once you back an entrepreneur, it, it's to give them all you can to ensure they succeed. Um, and, and so access to networks, managerial support, um, really helping them think through their issues uh, versus hide them because they're afraid if they say that there's an issue, they won't get funding. These are the sort of uh, disconnects, I guess, we've we tried to change. Um, and again, level the playing field of power and voice. And, and I think that's you know even more critical today, as I said, when, when you're seeing that uh, many of the programs that, that have been implemented, um, unfortunately, at times have more of a, a vested interest on the, what the donor wants versus mm -hmm. what the community needs. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think we try to sort of, you know, create that sort of uh, balance back ideally, uh, but, but really tell the philanthropists that they're as much of a change maker uh, as the organization head, but then they need to spend the time and effort to actually to do so. Um, and, and, and we realized through this journey, it's, it's also far more rewarding for the philanthropist um, or, or the giver for that matter, because they realize that they're actually solving for the problem. And, and like I said, doing much more than that three minute wire transfer once a year. They're getting involved many times hourly uh, on a monthly basis to really understand, mentor, to help and, and, and co-create solutions uh, for the communities that they're trying to serve uh, versus uh, just, just write that check. Mm -hmm. Far more meaningfully, infinitely more meaningfully. That is, that is, that's amazing. And then to that end, I, if you could speak to how it is that DASRA drives collaboration, because you've got a specific process or a methodology that you use. If you could just speak to that to help our listeners and viewers better understand just what we mean by this collaboration. And and, and I think one of the reasons why collaboration does not happen um, in all walks of life is is because each person is starting with a different set of data uh, or evidence. And, and so the knowledge base differs, I would say, um, with, with many stakeholders, uh, which, which is obvious given their, under, their, their sort of vantage point, their, their full day, sort of full-time jobs, uh, the, the communities that they grew up with or are exposed to. And, and so for us, it's really, number one, bringing that evidence to the table. Uh, and that data. And, and so I think what we've realized is if you're able to actually create far greater evidence about a topic without actually asking people to collaborate or even telling them where to go, um, and, and you make that topic uh, or that evidence, excuse me, open source, chances are uh, thousands of people will see this, uh, but hundreds will actually respond and want to come together. And, and so it's, it's very much about putting things out there which is free to access around the world for that matter. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but, but then through that, um, there, there is a, a process of vetting where those that are interested to, to take charge or get more engaged start sending us you know, messages, we start having conversations. And through that, we start really understanding the dynamic of, of their vantage point. They're able to understand the, the field far more 
than they did before because they have access to this research. Uh, they see what's actually happening on the ground. They, they've they read about the interventions that exist. And, and, and slowly, you start sort of then bringing different groups together, uh, again, on the same platform with, with really the first goal of, of, of setting up a goal. Uh, I, I think that's another big point about collaboration is, is, is uh, once you have everyone onto the same platform, if you don't have like the sustainable development goals, something that is articulate and, and that is a stake in the ground on what you want to do in a five-year period or 10-year period, um, chances are you will actually bring people together, but they'll all be working in different directions. Mm -hmm. And again, this is even more likely when you have people from around the world or different experiences coming together. Um, uh, and, and so we, we sort of try to align on particular sort of metrics or indicators or goals that, that we will achieve. And then from that, we all sort of commit to do whatever it takes to get there. And I think that is the most critical piece of this process is uh, we throw ego out the window uh, and we're here to serve. Um, and, and I think that is also really important to ensure sort of not just the long lasting nature of this collaborative, but, but also your ability to pivot as changes do take place on the ground in the communities you're serving uh, for a variety of reasons and, and sort of having that mentality of do whatever it takes ensures even if there's a setback that you're still there to sort of you know, understand what that setback is and, and, and implement the best solution going forward uh, versus letting go of saying, okay, this is too hard or they couldn't achieve their goals. So we're now just going to stop. It's really saying, okay, well, we need to keep trying until we achieve those goals. And I think that's a big difference. Hmm. It's just so smart and so big and compelling, Dable. I'm so happy to share your you with Bart, with our listeners here. Let's grab our, our next break if we can. I'm Dr. Elise Fortez, your host. We've been on the air with Dable Sangavi. He's the, the co-founder and partner at DASRA. We've been talking a bit about some of the work that they do and their approach to their work. After the break, we're going to talk about the stories they're now beginning to collect to champion a new breed of changemakers. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Dr. Elise Cortez is a management consultant specializing in meaning and purpose. An inspirational speaker and author, she helps companies visioneer for greater purpose among stakeholders and develop purpose-inspired leadership and meaning-infused cultures that elevate fulfillment, performance, and commitment within the workforce. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at EliseCortez.com. Let's talk about how to get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Dr. Elise Cortez. To reach our program today or open a conversation with Elise, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just now tuning in, my guest is Dable Sangavi. He is the co-founder and partner at Dazra, and he joins us today from Mumbai, India. I'm your host, Dr. Elise Cortez. So for this last segment here, and I want to share another one other question from before that we didn't get to toward the very end, but what I want to do for our listeners and viewers is help them understand this amazing new thing that you're doing to champion a new breed of change makers, which I just think is phenomenal because it continues your reach to to evolve and continue the work that you're doing today. I just think it's so brilliant to fold this in here. So you told me when we were first talking about having you come on the show that you're interested in having people tell their personal stories and the hurdles that they've faced. So of course, you know, I'm in for that, but why do you think those stories are important? 
I, I think it's very easy to be caught in um, the 24-hour news cycle um, and and forget about um, not just sort of issues. I mean, that those are thrown at us on a regular basis, but more importantly, uh, the, the stories uh, and the real stories, again, of individuals uh, fighting these issues at all costs and succeeding. Um, I, I think we don't do as good of a job at talking about those um, stories. Um, we don't highlight those individuals and, and in, invariably, therefore, we're not actually driving uh, for, for, for role models in, in those that are um, in, at all, you know, sort of cost uh, lifting themselves and their families out of poverty. And instead, we just talk about poverty, for example. And, and, and so I think it's having these stories of, of how individuals have beat the system uh, and, and have taken matters into their own hands and, and how interventions have, have actually helped them to do so, I think is really, really important uh, for, for, for those who are struggling to number one, not only see that there's hope, but more importantly, I think realize that there are pathways uh, that have been tried and tested from individuals who are in the same predicament as themselves. Uh, and, and, and if you think about you know, those pathways and if you're able to follow some of them, there is a potential of, of, of coming out of, of, of those those issues. And, and so I think for us, it's really, that's what uh, number one drives us every day. And, and, and we know who these individuals are, we've seen them grow and, and we therefore, um, like you said, are, are able to have sleepless nights uh, working because we know that there is a sort of a light in the end of the tunnel um, and, and, and change can occur. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, why did I start hosting Working on Purpose? Because I wanted to, something very similar. I wanted to showcase stories of people who were passionate about their work at first and then stories of inspiration and then purpose. And so what we get out of this, these stories is we get a role model and we get instruction, we get inspiration. So I ask you to think about if there was a story in particular that you wanted to share with, with, our, with our listeners and viewers, somebody that you'd like to chronicle and share, who would you share and why is their story important? Sure, and and we've been fortunate again at Thusra to work with, uh, like I said earlier, thousands of organizations uh, impacting tens of millions of lives, um, and 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 so there there are many stories out there. I think the one that's sort of near and dear to me since um, this was uh, at at the start of, of of my moving to India in 1999, 2000 was to help set up a girl shelter. Uh, so this was to help uh, girls who uh, were either living on the streets, um, uh, had hardships uh, anywhere from being trafficked at one point of time uh, to, to sort of single parent uh, street dwellings. Um, and, and so again, just at risk of being trafficked and, and that's still a big issue. And unfortunately trafficking is an issue that has gone up with COVID. Um, mm. but, but, but so, so the shelter um, was really set up and designed to, to sort of provide not just a safe space for these girls, but really a loving environment um, for them to become sort of sustainable citizens of, of, of their own right. And, and, and I think that was a big shift for us again, as I stated earlier, where you could actually put provide a roof over somebody's head and, and that may check the boxes off from a development perspective, uh, but but it actually doesn't change somebody's life. And, and so uh, one of the uh, girls who, who came into this institute early into the center, um, uh, came with her sister. Uh, she was less than nine years old um, and uh, looking after her younger sister. And it 
was hard. Um, clearly, the experiences that she had beforehand uh, to, to come into a space now that was rigid, that had rules, that had school, that had uh, a routine, that had 28 other girls there um, that, that she had never even known. Um, and, and, and so just going through that and, and fast forward to today, where in the last nine months, uh, she actually became years ago a trained nurse and in the last nine months has been working at a local hospital in the COVID ward, um, uh, treating COVID patients. And, and you just realize how she, through her grit and determination to go do well, to get into nursing school, to graduate. And now when you know the world needs her the most, um, she's not backing down and she's risking her own life like many healthcare professionals are globally uh, to treat patients, you know, who have who have COVID, and 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 it's just uh, shocking because at least in the Indian context, in smaller hospitals, you know, PPE again is an issue, and and so um, we, and we can send this to your viewers or or uh, post this, but but so there's a photo of her where she puts sort of this, you know, sort of like a handmade hazmat suit on and tapes herself into it, and and so which what that means is for. For six hours, she's not even able to use the restroom or get out of it because she's with the patient. But that's sort of the level of PPE we have right now. And and, and for somebody, again, who, um, you know, all odds were unfortunately against her to now be treating individuals with COVID just shows that, um, you know, these things do make a difference. And, and people, if you give them the right opportunities and, and, and take away the negatives, which unfortunately many of us are exposed to, in, in this world, uh, they will find a way to succeed. And, and again, this is a very, you know, one individual, but just knowing that there's so many others like her that, uh, that have fought through all challenges, I think keeps, keeps us going. Mm -hmm. Just really speaks to the magnificence of the human spirit to me as a logotherapist. I, I just, that's what is the undergird for me. And, and then under that for, for me as well is I feel like Dazra and you and team are already doing so much to make a difference to those 1 billion lives that you want to make a difference to it in India. And now here you are, you want to be able to steward these conversations, chronicle these conversations in order to inspire a new breed of change makers. That is phenomenal, Dable. Say more about what's behind that what are you trying to do there? So, so as you said earlier, we've been around now for 21 years. And, and so it's a long time. Uh, we've learned a lot, made multiple mistakes. Uh, but, but throughout this journey, um, we've been inspired by, by so many. Um, and, and so from day one, I, I guess the benefit of starting something when you're 24 years old is, is you know nothing. <laughs> you have zero access to capital. Um, and, and so you're there just to learn and to support. And, and I think that same mentality has lasted through Dasra, but we sort of realized that it's, it's honestly been unfair that we've been exposed to such inspiring individuals and stories and, and really have learned from them. Uh, and, and that's allowed us to, to, as you said, hire a team of 100 people and work consistently uh, to deliver social change and impact. But we wanted those, the same individuals that inspire us their stories actually to be broadcasted and amplified more uh, because we think that um, if, if we are inspired by them and selfishly, I guess we you know had these inspirational moments in one-on-one -on -one meetings, but we haven't really amplified that inspiration to, to the world. Um, and, and so really the goal for us is to, to um, have a, a podcast series, uh, which I guess is 
everyone must be rolling their eyes now since there are many of these now that have emerged, especially in lockdown times, but really to, to showcase their stories, uh, highlight how they shifted their perspectives and their views over time uh, when it comes to development in India um, with the goal of, of not just inspiring others, but, but, but hopefully um, there are elements, for example, in, in, in impact change and development in India, which again has a per capita income of $2,000 uh, to other countries uh, which have maybe a similar per capita income. And, and so the goal is, is, is to, to highlight this and to sort of spread that inspiration, but possibly even make some connects along the way uh, where, where these individuals are able to share their pathways, uh, which may be applicable in other areas, uh, not just in India. Mm-hmm. Before I ask you to drill down on that, let's acknowledge um, uh, one of our one of our listeners, Miriam Zaccarelli. She is she is coming in from Brazil. Oi, mi amiga e colega. She uh, she speaks Portuguese. I do too because I live there. So thank you for listening, Miriam. And she says congratulations, Dable. She wants to acknowledge what you're doing. So it's fantastic. Um, but. Really quick, if we can, say a little bit more, because when you and I first met, you were just launching this platform, this podcast platform. So how's it going? Where are you in the process? And what can we do to help? No, I appreciate that. And and I think, uh, first of all, I appreciate the work you do. And in our conversation as well, I think you gave us, you know, pearls of wisdom on on how we should think about this. And and being prepared was number one. Mm-hmm. And and so I, uh, our, our goal is to launch in March. Uh, we uh have the interview list ready. We're, we're, we're doing sort of the research like you do with, with each of the listeners. Um, and we've actually taken your advice and, and we think maybe the first few we may do uh, in a similar sort of uh, video and um, uh, sort of sound, uh, uh, I, I guess, medium. And, and so we will be doing Zoom as well as sort of a podcast. And, and so the goal is to launch this in March with uh, initially with 10 episodes. Uh, so 10 individuals we're interviewing. Uh, these will be established givers. These will be change makers. These will be also stories of people who've lifted themselves out of poverty um, and, and them telling their story versus, you know, us telling their story. And, and so the goal is to really, again, bring the different stakeholders together and their perspectives to, again, help us all realize that um, while development does take time, uh, by bringing these different perspectives together and, and bringing that, you know, collective action, uh, you can actually create, you know, greater change and impact. And, and so we're hoping these authentic conversations in long form format, just like you do, uh, will, will sort of start spreading some of these stories and, and inspire others to, to, to follow in their footsteps or, or take up their own passion or purpose projects, uh, given that they've heard that others have done so in the past. And will they will they live on Dazra somewhere? So when our listeners and viewers they now know who you are, will they be able to find that 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 platform there? Definitely. So on our website we will have it. We've also partnered with a, a podcast provider called In the Field, uh, uh, and and they've run a, a few different podcasts now on in India. Um, and and so uh, there'll be our website and the In the Fields website. You'll be able to access this. Okay, great. Um, and we're getting really, really, really close to the end here. Uh, and I want to give you the chance to close. But is there anything our listeners and viewers can do to help you? Um, I, I, I think uh, there are two ways. I guess, number one, if you're interested in India, uh, please go to our website. Look at the research reports anywhere from child marriage to malnutrition to sanitation to education. We have different sort of data out there and evidence on who's doing what. And by all means, so please support those organizations. I mean, we give the contact details of those organizations or 
or contact us and we can put you in touch and give you more more access i think um it, second is is really look at look at who's around you um again there's there's need everywhere today more than ever um and and so if there is a nonprofit organization again that you can partner with that you can help that you can sort of go beyond the check writing um i i think that is that is fantastic and i think if if everyone does that um clearly we will be in a better place and and unfortunately there is no better time than now to 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 provide that level of purpose and, and support beautiful we're so close in say 30 seconds or less stable what would you like to leave, leave our listeners and viewers with today I, I think follow your passion uh and and if your passion also happens to be purpose even better Mm -hmm. Wow, that was crisp. Thank you. Dave, it is a, an extreme honor for me to share you with our listeners and viewers and help them understand the work that they're doing in the world and who they too can become. So thank you so much for being my guest. Thank you for the opportunity and thank you to all your listeners around the world. I really, really appreciate us uh, having this platform. Absolutely. And we've been alluding to this before. If you want to learn, learn more about Dave Sangavi and the work he and his team are doing at DASRA, their website is DASRA.org. Let me spell it for you. D like David, A-S-R-A dot org, DASRA.org. Last week, if you missed the live show, you can always catch it via a recorded podcast. We were on the air with Dr. Holly Woods, the author of The Golden Thread, and we were learning about how purpose is expressed differently over our life stages as we develop consciousness. Very enriching conversation. Next week, we'll be on the air with Cynthia Fortsman talking about her work with archetypes, which she uses as a framework to help build leaders, companies, brand, and culture. Promises to be yet another fantastic conversation. See you there. Remember that works at least a third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Dr. Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll create a world where business operates conscientiously, leadership inspires impassioned performance, and employees are fulfilled in work that provides the meaning and purpose they crave. See you there. Let's work on purpose.